This episode of All the Books is sponsored by Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. If you're looking for fun trivia to impress your family and friends this holiday season, look no further. Since 1987, Portable Press has provided facts and trivia to those who crave it with the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader series. Not only will you be entertained, but you'll know a whole lot more about the world around you. Just go to portablepress.com slash all the books to download a 20-page free sample of the new 30th anniversary title, Uncle John's Old Faithful Bathroom Reader. Or follow them on social media at Portable Press for more trivia and frequent book giveaways. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 134, and today we are talking about 2017 books we feel deserve more attention. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow Will Redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello and good morning. I should have phrased that better. Like, we're not going to talk about 2017 books today, but... (laughs) No. Uh, We're going to talk about books from 2017 that we haven't talked about on the show yet, but that we want to make sure to shout out before the end of the year. Yeah, because it's Thanksgiving this week, and there's not a whole heck of a lot coming out, so... There's not. And we've, I think, well, I'm definitely in catch up season. So these are mostly books that I have just read recently, but I, that I missed out when they first came out um, or that I had been waiting to get to the end of the year for. Um, so I'm really excited to, to get into these. Before we get started, though, I want to remind our listeners, this is your last week to enter to win a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice from us at Book Riot. It's open internationally. The giveaway ends November 26th. So no matter where you are in the world, you can enter, but you've only got a few days left to do it. Go to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway to enter and cross your fingers and your toes and anything else you can think of um, that you will be the one to win a $500 gift card to the bookstore of your choice. So that's bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway. Unless you're me. I'm not, I'm not allowed to enter. <laughs> you're not staff. You guys already contributors know, like, are not allowed to enter. No, you already know all my aliases. Like there's no <laughs> fool in you. <laughs> Hibberty Lardy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, yes. So, so I went to New York City. And you did. You had such a big week last week. Yeah, I got to go to all different events. I got to go to the Flatiron Building and see some publishers there. I went to the National Book Awards, um, and I behaved. I was, like, really, really good. Uh, I almost lost my cool because I was standing there, and I looked over, and Patricia Lockwood was standing next to me. What? And I was like, I have to go stand over here now (laughs) because I was just like, (laughs) I'm either going to start talking to her or I'm just going to just fall on the floor at her feet. So I'll go over here. But it's amazing. It's it's so exciting to be in a room with so many people that I admire at one time. It's and I'm I'm pretty calm about it. Like the first year I just stood in the corner where our coworker kept coming over to me and being like, Are you okay? Are you gonna move? And I was like, This is stand here. This is so. the safest place for yeah. me. Yeah, I feel like if I had met Patricia Lockwood, I would have done a really embarrassing I- impression of her to her from the pre-Staddy audiobook. <laughs> she does this voice for her sister that's like, it sounds kind of like a 
I think the analogy Jeff came up with on the Book Riot show was like Nell from the from the movie Nell mixed with like a character from Romy and Michelle's high school reunion where she's like, hey, baby. And it's so funny when Patricia Lockwood does it, but I would have just sounded ridiculous <laughs> and I wouldn't have been able to help myself. Like, yeah. oh my God, your sister, the way you do her on the book is, yeah, no, it was better that it was you than me. Yeah. No, I just left. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away right now. <laughs> So, speaking of the National Book Awards, my first pick was on the long list. It didn't make the short list, but it's so good, and I feel like everyone should know about it, and somehow I didn't talk about it on the show. I don't know how that happened. But it's A Kind of Freedom by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. Uh, it's a book. It takes place over seven decades in New Orleans. It's just this really powerful debut about a Creole woman and her children, as they deal with love and addiction and racism, uh, redemption, and the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Um, not all in one day, like I said, over <laughs> seven decades, because that would be a lot. Um, but it starts with Evelyn. It She's uh, a young woman. It's set during World War II when, the, when it opens, and she becomes pregnant by a not-so-fabulous man, um, and she has to decide what she's going to do. Uh, there's also her daughter, Jackie, jumping into the future. Um, she is dealing with her husband's crack addiction, and every time you know she thinks that she's finally going to make a decision about him, you know he changes. Uh, and then there's TC, who is a former criminal who is trying to make good for his son's sake. He really wants to become a better person and stay on the straight and narrow for his son. Um, it's just this very strong story. It's fully realized. The character, or the characters, are fully realized. It, and she's such an empathetic writer. Um, she just cares about these characters like it comes through like you can absolutely tell and it almost reads like music it's just so beautiful like i would i would go out and say this was the great american novel of the year Ooh. like like it's fantastic and as strange as this sounds it made me want to visit new orleans more than any other book that i've read huh like i mean because to me like new orleans is like woo mardi gras and you know people running around and drinking at all hours and being crazy and that's not what it's all about at all but like this, just it was sound. The city sounded so beautiful. It just made me want to visit. Um, so again, it is called "A Kind of Freedom," and it's by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. That is quite the sell. Great American novel. Whew. All right, my first pick this week is one that I mentioned a while back as like my what I'm going to be reading soon at the end of a podcast, and I have read it, and so now I can report back, and I really <laughs> dug it. It's Altered Traits, Science Reveals How Meditation Changes Your Mind, Brain, and Brained, <laughs> your mind, brain, and body. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, by Daniel Goleman and Richard da uh, J. Davidson. This is really fantastic and fascinating. It's neuroscience, but written for lay people, so if you're interested in brain brains and you're like a little bit familiar uh, with basic neurology stuff and psychology, you're going to be just fine. Um, Daniel Goleman, you might recognize his name. He pioneered the idea of emotional intelligence and he wrote the book by that same name several years ago. But he and Richard J. Davidson have been colleagues since like the 70s when they were getting PhDs and they were studying. They were also, it was the 70s. And so like transcendental meditation was having a moment and they were trying to figure out how to study um, what the practices of meditation really did to your brain in terms of long-term uh, changes, trait changes, um, rather than just changing a temporary state of mind during the time of meditation and shortly thereafter. And this is an overview of basically the last like 45 years 
of research into what meditation does to our brains on a neurological level, um, which is basically the entirety of research <laughs> that, um, that exists there from sort of early days of neurological research up until today. And so they talk about the early studies that were done. Um, I really appreciated the first three chapters lay out sort of the history of this research um, that they pioneered along with several other people. And they go into detail about mistakes that they made in the study designs, about flaws in the measurements that they used, about the limitations that existed because the science was only where it was at the time. And they seek to talk about what we know that meditation can do in brains, but also what it can't do. So they, they debunk a lot of the sort of popular headlines that go around about meditation and talk about the difference between like you'll feel calmer if you do this meditation, you know, for 20 minutes after and your brain will change in a lasting and meaningful way on some vector. It's really fascinating. They um, have traveled back and forth between India and the U.S. They've brought yogis and experienced um, Buddhist monks and meditators of sort of all schools and varieties into very fancy advanced labs in the U.S. now um, where we can study what happens in the brain of someone who has spent, you know, like 26,000 hours in their lifetime meditating and learning to quiet their thoughts and what happens in your body when that when you can do that it's really fascinating you know it's one of those books that like if you were trying to sell somebody on the idea of meditation as a thing that's good for you it's not flashy and shiny it's very like if you practice these things for a very long time you may change in this way um it's not going to like convince people that they need to change their lives but if you're interested or if you do have a meditation practice and you're wondering like what the long term impact is and what the long term impact isn't um, what some of the shiny, flashy stuff actually has going on behind it or not. Um, I think they pull back the curtain on that really nicely. It's fascinating. It's wide ranging. Um, and I, as I said, I really do appreciate the candor that they give about their own work and the critical look that they offer to some of the other research that's been done and some of the ways that meditation gets talked about in the media that aren't really accurate or useful. So again, that's Altered Traits by Daniel Goleman and Richard J. Davidson. I learned about a book this week that was so in your wheelhouse that you probably already have it, but I was what like, is it? Rebecca is going to talk about that. <laughs> it is the new Daniel Pink. Have you seen this? Oh, it's on my list. Yes. Yeah. It's called When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing mm-hmm. comes out January 9th. And I was like, I would really like to read that, but I'm not even going to bother because <laughs> Rebecca is going to want to talk about that. And like in a totally fine way, because I have other things to read, but I was just like, that sounded so cool. So, uh, oh, yeah, so more books that I have read. Um, Getting back to that, my next pick is called Spoils by Brian Van Reet. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I kind of feel like I might have talked about it on the show before. Like, Mm. I read this, but not before it came out sort of way. But I'm going to talk about it again because it's so good. This, like A Kind of Freedom, is also a debut. Just, debut novels are amazing. And it takes place in Baghdad in 2003. Uh, it's a look at the people on all sides of Baghdad during the U.S. occupation. There's Cassandra. She's a 19-year-old gunner uh, who is captured during a firefight. 
There's Abu al-Haul, who is a radical jihadist, but he is having second thoughts about the group that he belongs to as the violence escalates. And there is Specialist Sleed, who is taking advantage of the situation they're in, in which he thinks it's sort of like he's committing a victimless crime, which then, of course, has terrible repercussions. Um, it's it's kind of a, like a familiar story, you know, like, you know, Yellow Birds or Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk or The Hurt Locker or even Three Kings. Um, but the writing is just so exceptional, and it's just amazing and, and tense to watch these characters on this sort of collision course with each other and with their destinies. And it's just so absolutely fantastic. Um, and again, it's called Spoils, and it's by Brian Van Reet. And I also just wanted to point out, there's a book coming out next year that is so bananas and good. It's called Frankenstein in Baghdad by Ahmed Sadawi, I think his name is. It's about a a guy, he's a scavenger, he lives in um, Baghdad during the U.S. occupation. And he collects body parts from victims of the war. And he's trying to make a political statement by making a full corpse to show the government that these people deserve better treatment and they deserve to be buried. And But then he gets up one day and the corpse is missing. And then all these, all these murders take place. It's, it's awesome and so weird. But anyway, I'm just going to keep talking about books that aren't out yet, apparently. Yeah, you're supposed to be telling me about our first sponsor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, our first sponsor is Third Love. Third Love is back, and it's it's holiday time. You always want to look your best around the holidays, and with so many parties and reunions, who has time to go to the department store? Who would want to go to the department store? Like, I avoid the mall at all times, but especially, especially around the holidays. holidays. <laughs> like, forget it. Like, you'd have to pay me a lot to go into the mall. Um, so, when you finally pick out your perfect outfit, don't let it be ruined by an ill-fitting bra. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of third love, because the best presents are the ones you give yourself. Like, let's be honest. Come on. This is true. It's true. And third love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that are super comfortable and help you look and feel great. I love them. Rebecca loves them. We talk about them all the time. And Third Love offers bras in sizes AA through G, as well as their exclusive half cup sizes. And with over 15 styles, including strapless and plunge, there's a bra for every holiday party look. And if you're not sure about your size, you can chat with a fit specialist or take the Fit Finder quiz as you shop from the comfort of your own home. Don't even have to put on pants. That's always a selling point. No pants? Awesome. And because Third Love knows it's the season to spread cheer, they're offering you 15% off your first purchase so you can feel and look your best this holiday season. Ooh, I need a new bra. I think I'm going to take advantage of this. (laughs) 15% off. That's awesome. So you go to thirdlove.com slash books to upgrade your holiday style with a perfect fitting Third Love bra and get 15% off your purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off your first Third Love bra. And we thank them for sponsoring. Yes, give yourself an uplifting gift this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm out of boob jokes. Like, I, I know. I was like trying to go, they're, yeah, they're just, I think I've used them all. They're we had like, a really good long run there. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, the listener, my... What the listeners don't know is that we had a long discussion before, um, before we started recording about underwires and picking locks and stuff. <laughs> Someday we're going to learn that we should leave our recorders on for whatever we're talking about before the show starts. Yeah, then we can do like a, a whole like the seed. What do they do? The MP3? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like 
a whole album of outtakes. We could have a gag reel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whole show is a gag reel, let's be honest about that. <laughs> um, my next pick this week for 2017 releases, this is one that did not come across my radar in through the book world, but through um, a few friends who own restaurants who were reading it and loving it. Women who own restaurants in particular. It's called I Hear She's a Real Bitch by Jen Ag. And Jen Ag is like the female Canadian younger version of Anthony Bourdain, basically. Um, And I want to point out that it's ironic that this is like a feminist memoir about working in the restaurant industry and that the only real point of comparison is to call her like Anthony Bourdain or and like the front of the book has a Bourdain blurb on it. And that's a very apt comparison. But one of the things that Jen Ag talks about in the book and actually most of the book is about her experience opening several of Toronto's now landmark restaurants. She opened her very first restaurant when she was in her early 20s, and she didn't know what she didn't know, which was probably to the best, but was also very detrimental, and how she has worked her way up through an industry that is not just dominated by men, but has a lot of toxic, um, sexist, patriarchal stuff going on in its culture and what it's like to be a woman running her own ship um, in that kind of culture and trying to change things, like trying to equalize the relationship between the front of the house and the back of the house and establish herself as someone to be respected and sort of fight all those lady training urges of like just being nice to people and wanting to take care of her staff when sometimes you have to be tough when you're the boss. Um, It's getting a lot of comparisons to Gabrielle Hamilton's Blood, Bones, and Butter, which is the only other like big memoir by a woman chef because there are so few big female chefs anyway. Um, But it feels more like a Bourdain book in tone uh, than Blood, Bones, and Butter did. If you like food memoirs, if you're into sort of cooking and cooking culture, food culture, you're following some chefs. Um, I didn't really know about Jen Ag's work. I have been to one of her restaurants, but just didn't recognize her name. Um, And so it's very cool to read about her experience as a woman trying to not just be successful in the industry, but trying to change the restaurant industry. Um, She's very funny. She's very honest. She talks um, very directly and frankly about uh, her identity as a feminist, how she came to understand feminism, some of the mistakes that she's made along the way, some of the internalized misogyny and sort of hypocrisy that she finds in herself as she struggles through it. So she's very honest, kind of in the Roxane Gay sense about being a bad feminist or an imperfect feminist. Um, It's just a really enjoyable read and fascinating if you're a person who's into food and cooking memoirs at all. So again, it's I Hear She's a Real Bitch by Jen Ag. I have no segue. Yeah, no, let's just keep going. (laughs) Uh, My next pick is You Bring the Distant Near by Mitali Perkins. And this one also made the uh, National Book Award long list for young person's literature. And uh, didn't make the shortlist, but it's so wonderful. It's about three generations of women in the Da family. And it starts with Tara and Sonia. They are sisters who moved from Bangladesh to London and then to Queens. Their father is looking for a great job and they, he wants them to get the best educations. And so they've grown up sort of in these three different countries now. They're in Queens. Um, their mother wants them to live in a very fancy, you know, exclusive neighborhood, but you know, they're they're moving to America, you know, as immigrants, and they don't have the money to do that. So their father rents them an apartment in a predominantly black neighborhood, and their mother's prejudices 
start to come out and she tries to restrict the girls from going out and what they do and they're not allowed to walk alone anymore. And you know, like, how well restricting teenagers from doing anything goes, <laughs> you know, so it all backfires for her. Um, you know, Tara is fantastic. She she is a feminist. She's, she reads all about feminists. Um, and she's, you know, trying to, it's like the 1970s in, you know, Queens, and she's trying to, like, teach her, you know, male classmates, you know, how to, how to talk to women and be nice to women, and it's not going well. And Sonia is, like, just absolutely gorgeous, and she wants to be an actress, and they're trying to figure out, like, what they're going to do with their lives. And then it moves forward to their daughters. Uh, they each, they uh, have three daughters between them. Um, and, oh, wait, no, two daughters between them. And one of them lives in the U.S., and one is in India. Um, Anna is in India, and uh, she is being forced to move with her family to the U.S., and she's really unhappy about it. Like, she thinks that, you know, where she lives is the best. And, of course, she's upset about about being moved, and, you know, um, her cousin Chantal, who is Tara's daughter, is, you know, she lives in Queens, and she has this great life, um, that she loves, and, but, like, her cousin comes and sort of interrupts that, and then there are the grandmothers who, like, hang around and interrupt and get involved in everything, and they're so great, um, and the grandmothers are there to try and, like, you know, keep the culture, their culture going, you know, as, like, they move further and further away from, from how they grew up. It's just this fantastic story about the immigrant experience and racism and feminism and family and marital problems and grief. It's, and like I was saying before about A Kind of Freedom, the characters are so fully realized. I absolutely love spending time with them. And I kind of hope that she writes a sequel. I haven't heard anything, but I could see her doing a sequel with these characters because they're so fantastic. So again, it's called You Bring the Distant Near, and it's by Mitali Perkins. All right. Want to hear about our next sponsor? Don't say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Penguin Random House Audio is back this holiday season, and I'm so happy about it because I love audiobooks year-round, but it's especially great when you're going to be either road tripping. I'm going to be on a plane later this afternoon, and I'll be listening to an audiobook for some of that. Or if you're cooking big meals, you can listen to audiobooks while you're in the kitchen, keep you occupied. So, you know, great source of entertainment for yourself, but listening to an audiobook can also bring friends and family together this holiday season. You could listen to Turtles All the Way Down by John Green on your next road trip, and you could discuss the themes of the book, or you could listen to Seven Days of Us by Francesca Hornack with your friends at book club to prepare for the holiday season. Whatever you're going to listen to, connect, listen, and discuss with audiobooks from Penguin Random House Audio. And, um, You can also keep up with the bestseller list. They have Origin by my boyfriend, Dan Brown. They have Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, which is undeniably one of the best books of the year. Uh, And we've talked about it on this show. There's The Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, which has also been getting a ton of buzz. So go to tryaudiobooks.com slash bookriot for a free full download to get you started. Again, that's tryaudiobooks.com slash bookriot for a free full download from Penguin Random House Audio. And thanks to them for sponsoring this week. You know, I don't travel much. You know, I don't leave the house hardly ever. So I really got to see what it's like for like people who travel all the time. Uh, You know, I took the bus to New York and took you know, subways and then took the bus back and pretty much everyone I saw was reading the new Dan Brown book. I was like, oh yeah, this is like a travel thing. Like where people read the biggest thing, you know, like I just saw it everywhere. It's one of those, like, I think I was in Mexico like seven years ago when the girl, 
um, with the dragon tattoo was really big, like had come out in mass market paperback. And so it was all over the place. And I remember like laying around the pool, looking and seeing half a dozen people all reading it at the same time (laughs) or being in New York a few years ago when everyone on the subway was reading 50 shades of gray. (laughs) It's, I will report back on uh, what the airport book that I see uh, this week is. I expect it will also be a lot of Dan Brown. Yeah. I hope it's a lot of Dan Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My next pick this week, this is a book that came out in 2007, but that um, is having new life now because it was just adapted into a film and there's a new uh, paperback edition of it. It's Call Me By Your Name by Andre Achiman. You have heard me talk about him on the show before because his book Alibis, which is a collection of essays about travel, is one of my favorite books of all time and my absolute favorite book about travel. Um, And I read that long before I knew that he was also a fiction writer, a novelist. This is a novel. It won the Lambda Literary Award for Fiction in the year that it came out. And it's uh, it's a love story about um, an adolescent boy and a summer guest at his parents' cliffside mansion. The guest is also a boy um, on the Italian Riviera who have this unexpected and just undeniable attraction. They meet, you know, it's a this is a summer romance story, and there's sort of that very intense, obsessive quality that young love stories have, and they just collide into each other. It's 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 also very steamy. I looked up reviews of it um, from 2007 just to see because this feels like the kind of book that could could be coming out right now um, where there is really um, uh, something of a movement towards telling love stories that aren't just straight people. Um, but it's 10 years old and I went back to look and the first line of the New York Times review by Stacey Durasmo is, this novel is hot. Uh, and I completely agree. Um, it's a coming of age story. It's also a coming out story. And it's this sort of contemplation of... Uh, of young love and of identity and of sort of the ways that our early experiences with romance help us to understand our identities and also shape our identities. Um, and it is, it is steamy as well. Um, it, it like changed. I was like, oh, Andre Achiman, I didn't know you had this move. Uh, and it's just a great novel. Um, I will be looking forward to seeing the movie soon. Army Hammer is one of the actors in it. So can't be that bad. Again, it is Call Me By Your Name by Andre Achiman. No segue. No. No. Um, my last pick is Vacation Land, True Stories from Painful Beaches by John Hodgman. You, <laughs> Such you, a good subtitle. <laughs> it really is. Um, you probably know John Hodgman. He was on The Daily Show. He was on Board to Death. If you're Rebecca, you know he was in Pitch Perfect 2. He's like <laughs> in a million things. He has a podcast called Judge Hodgman, which I had not heard of, where apparently he like settles, you know, he's like, it's in no way a real ruling, but like he settles arguments that like people have, like, you know, oh, are hot dogs a sandwich and like crazy stuff like that. Um <laughs> And he also used to write these books of fake facts, but he says he no longer finds that entertaining in this day and age to to make up things. (laughs) Oh, Um, that's sad. So this is more of a memoir. He talks about growing up, he was the only child of wealthy parents in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. And then when he got married, he moved to Park Slope. And now he has two summer homes. He lives in, he has one in Massachusetts and one in Maine. Um, The former was his parents' house in Massachusetts. And when his mother died... 
Um, he took over the house, and they were using it as a summer home. But his wife spent her summers in Maine. Go Maine! And she really wanted to summer in Maine, so they also got a summer home uh, there. And so now they've been spending all their time at the place in Maine and, like, neglecting the place in Massachusetts. He talks all about it. Um, and he is completely aware of his privilege. You know, he's like, hey, like, I saw him uh, read from the book and, and talk about it. You know, and he's like, so how are you all? Like, are you completely relating to my story of having two summer homes? He's like, because, you know, <laughs> like he does. And But it's like, he's in his 40s now, and he talks about, you know, what, what that means. Like, he's like, he grew a beard and mustache. And he says, like, I grew a beard and mustache because I wanted everyone to know that I was no longer worthy of love and affection. <laughs> and I am all done breeding, and, you know, it's it's all done for me. But then he also talks about, like, you know, dealing with his mother's death. Like, she, I think she died, you know, seven or eight years ago. It might have even been longer. Um, and, like, mortality and, and the places... And, like, what it is to live in places where people lived before and people will live, you know, after you are gone. Um, he talks... Like I said, he's very aware of his privilege. You know, he talks about, like, Black Francis from the Pixies is one of his neighbors in Massachusetts and he comes over for dinner, you know? But he's never, like, braggy about it. He's just, like... But he's also not, like, ah, oh, like, can't handle it, like you know, me, but he just is like, you know, here's a thing that happens in my life and it's really cool, you know. Um, he's very funny, he's very self-deprecating, and he's, but it's also very sentimental, but never in like a sappy way. It's just sort of this like really wonderful look at the very brief time that we have on the planet. Um, and I loved it. I'm very attached to my mortal coil, so, you know, it got me right in the feels. Um, I really loved it. And I would just like to say one small thing. Um, I brought one of our friends, one of our mutual friends, to see mm -hmm. this, uh, to see him speak a couple weeks ago when he was in Portland, Maine, and um, she has just recently lost her mother, and it turns out it was also her mother's birthday, and oh. he spent almost the whole time talking about losing his mother, and oh. I was like, I'm the worst friend ever. <laughs> so I would just like to apologize again to her if she's listening. Oh. Um, I felt very bad about that. So, but I didn't know, and, and she said she had a good time, I hope. So anyway, um, but John Hodgman, I absolutely love him. This is Vacation Land, True Stories from Painful Beaches. Oh, these things just can't be predicted. <laughs> I, I, like, I didn't know it was going to go that way, no. <laughs> Um, my last pick this week, man, I didn't realize that two of my choices were going to be about food, but I guess that's not surprising. Ooh. This feels very much like my wheelhouse this week, um, is The Cooking Gene, A Journey Through African-American Culinary History in the Old South by Michael W. Twitty. Um, he is a culinary historian and he's talking about race and class and who basically owns the the uh, tradition of Southern food. This is a really interesting time um, to for this book to come out because there's this sort of renaissance of Southern cooking happening, especially in Richmond. Um, Charleston has, I guess, just had it forever. Um, but these sort of upper-class restaurants that are serving really traditional Southern dishes with some kind of twist, like you can get um, pork skins, like fried pork skins with pimento cheese in some of the nicest restaurants in town. And I think this is happening all over the South. Um, and there's soul food appearing in a lot of higher end restaurants. And of course, barbecue is what barbecue is. Um, but there's just, well, you can't call it anything other than what it is, a lot of appropriation that has happened over the last couple of centuries of historically and traditionally 
um, black Southern dishes making their way just into mainstream Southern cuisine or being appropriated by um, mainstream bougie white people. And I count myself among those. Um, and so Michael W. Twitty follows sort of the the history and evolution of Southern cooking um, from tobacco and rice farms, plantations, um, where slaves were figuring out what dishes they could make that could still be delicious and and also nutritious and give them what they needed from essentially the scraps of food that the plantation owners would give them up through sort of kind of where we are today. And he really wrestles with the, the uncomfortable and bad, just that's what they are, parts of Southern history and racism and what those, how those are connected to the food that we eat now and how we think about what it is to be a Southerner and to like Southern food. It's not an entirely comfortable read as a bougie middle-class white person who loves Southern food, but it's not supposed to be. It's one of those books that is supposed to give you a wider lens and make you examine the place that you are. And as um, somebody who lives in the South and I have Southern parents, I like am a Southerner. Um, I, you know, had to think about some big and interesting questions about where our food culture is and um, where it came from and who we owe that to. Um, So I really found it to be provocative and insightful. And he asks, you know, really important questions that we need to talk about as um, as we're having this moment in food culture here in the South around Southern dishes um, to acknowledge the very fraught history uh, of where those come from. So it's The Cooking Gene, A Journey Through African-American Culinary History in the Old South by Michael W. Twitty. And I loved it. I have to say, I spent an entire week in New York City and then I came back and was like, I don't want to eat anything here. I guess so. I went to so many great restaurants and ate so many amazing things that are not available in, in Maine at all. <laughs> it's very always, disappointing. Uh, people always roll their eyes when I say this, but it's really true. Like for me, Richmond's food scene has just boomed in the last five or six years. And Charleston is the only place that I've traveled since I have lived here where the food I think has actually been better than Richmond. And that includes New York. Like don't throw things at me for saying that, but what's happening here in food is really interesting and it's hard to beat. Well, good. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to come and visit. I know I'm in this very jaded place now when people are like, I'm when I'm going to a new city and they're like, Oh my gosh. And we have the best food and we're going to go to the best restaurants and like we go and it's good, but I'm like, Oh, it's better at home. Yeah. Well, I'm a vegan in Maine. So <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna have an interesting time in Richmond. I always struggle when even vegetarians come to visit of like, where are um, we gonna go? <laughs> like I can make my own fabulous things, but uh, there's not a lot of places to go where they'll do it for me. Yeah, maybe we'll just cook a lot. Yeah, that would be fun. All right. So those are our 2017 books or some of them um, that we loved and didn't get to talk about on the show previously. Lib, what are you going to go read now? Uh, In continuing my amazing book synchronicity, uh, while I was riding the bus back from New York on Saturday, I saw this book on Twitter and I was like, ooh, I really want to read that. And when I got home, it was waiting for me in my giant stack of book mail. Um, did you see the the video I posted of book I mail? Did. My boyfriend, so good. my boyfriend kept sending me updates every day. He had an actual tape measure, and he's like twenty three <laughs> inches, twenty eight inches, thirty six inches. And then by the time I we got back from the bus, the cat had knocked it over, and it was just spread out all over the floor. But this was in it. It is called 
The World Only Spins Forward, The Ascent of Angels in America by Isaac Butler and Dan Coys. It is the oral history of angels in America told by the artists who created it and the audiences who forever mm. who are forever changed by it. A moving account of the AIDS era, essential queer history, and an exuberant backstage tale. Wow. Sounds great. It does sound great. Yes. Oh, and they're having a much-anticipated Broadway revival of Angels in America in 2018, so perfect timing. That sounds like fun. What are you going to read? Um, I can't remember the title of it. It's the second book in Kevin Kwan's Crazy Rich Asians series. I get oh, them confused. Um, Google. Hang on. Let's Google. Is it China Rich Girlfriend? Possibly? Yes, it is. It's China Rich Girlfriend. I read Crazy Rich Asians earlier this year. I really loved it. And I am I was looking through my stack of things I've been hoping to get to soon to pack up for plain reading today. And that looks like it's... I just loved the first book. It was so much fun. Um, and I think this will be perfect travel reading. Um, so yes, it's China Rich Girlfriend. And then... Um, the third one was out this year, and so maybe I will finish it. I'll, I'll like finish the series in this calendar year if I'm lucky. Well, we have we have a good couple of weeks coming up because we do like you know best of shows, and we have some time to sort of catch oh, up. Oh yeah, we should tell doing. the people what's going to be happening after this episode. You um, tell them because so, I forget. <laughs> okay, so the first week of December, we're going to do the best books of the best new books of December, which is usually how we do December new releases because they're just are not enough to do a bunch of new weeks, new releases. So we'll do a look at the whole month um, on the first week of December. And then we're going to do two weeks of best books of the year. And historically, we have done like a fiction show and a nonfiction show. But this year, we're just going to take our favorite books and mix them all together into two episodes. Um, so that will be the second and third weeks of December. And then we're going to take a week off, I know. which we haven't gotten to do in a really long time. I don't think we've ever done it. I know. We won't have a show the week of Christmas. Yeah. And um, we'll be back after that on January 2nd with our first half of 2018 preview show. And before that, I will be back next week with my pod wife, Amanda. Oh, yes. There are so many wives now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that is our show this week. Thanks again to our sponsors, Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Go to portablepress.com slash bookriot to get your 20-page sample download. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off a purchase from Third Love. And go to tryaudiobooks.com slash bookriot to get a free full download of an audiobook from Penguin Random House Audio. And if $500 to the bookstore of your choice sounds good to you, go to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway to enter by November 26th. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you have a minute, you want to give us a little holiday treat, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time because Rebecca's got to catch her plane. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading.